what's going on? Greetings and good day, and welcome to a very special edition, a very special 113th edition of Birds All Day. My name is Drew Fairservice, and uh, we are here talking about your resurgent Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, I believe a very wise man said uh, they're going to need to go uh, 20 and 8 in May. It's all happening. I mean, sure, they probably only they can only afford to lose another like four or five games. Whatever. We're like halfway there. Uh, and joining me, as always, uh, old reliable, old reliable, Mr. Andrew Stoughton. Stoughton, how are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm at the controls of this mothership here, and uh, and so far so good. So far so good. So so um, tech, people don't really need to know the nitty gritty of the techno the technology that goes on behind the scenes at, at Birds All Day. Uh, we have been experimenting with some different audio or uh, uh, interface formats. But, as I mentioned, this is indeed a very special edition of Birds All Day. Uh, this edition of Birds All Day, as you may well know, uh, is brought to you by McClellan and Stewart and their newest book on the joy and beauty of baseball, Baseball Life Advice, by none other than Stacey May Files. And the reason that this is a very special edition of Stacey May of Birds All Day is because we're joined <laughs> by the magic of the internet, by Stacey May Files herself. Stacey May, hello! Hello. Thank you for joining us, and thank you for, for uh, sitting patiently as we fumbled through the promotion of your book, which I'm sure is not at all awkward. I'm sure you're very cool and chill and used to it by now. I, I have to say it's really weird to be sitting down while listening to you. <laughs> it's a really strange thing, because usually I'm, like, exercising, listening to words all day. And right now I'm just sitting down listening to you talk. It's, it's a very bizarre experience. You're here. You're witness to the sausage being made. Always <laughs> no. And and what a bizarre sausage it is. Not the first time um, I've heard that. <laughs> we uh, we're going to ruin your whole week. So this is exciting for us, of course, because we have published author, celebrated author, uh, uh, of course, with the uh, Globe and Mail, Globe and Mail Book Review, uh, formerly of. Of uh, the National Post, reader now on the Atlantic. Uh, sorry, the Athletic Toronto. Where else can people read your your fine words these days? Nation, um, right? which I think technically makes Andrew Stoughton my boss. <laughs> nobody, <laughs> nobody needs that. Nobody ever needs that. No, really uh, not. But yes, but yes, technically that's true. Uh, and I'm going to uh, hold that over you. Enjoyed that. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I, I have to. I have to do a really good job today on the podcast or I will be fired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think this is the beauty of working for me. You're always going to be a better employee than at least one person. Yes, that's, that is very true. <laughs> considering how late we started today. <laughs> I, considering I was sitting at my computer like half an hour before we started being like, where are they? What's going on? <laughs> Technically, Stone and I don't usually start doing this until about an hour from now. Oh. And then we sit around and uh, talk about uh, nothing. And then they said, okay, we should probably do this because it's, you know, midnight. Oh, okay. And then um, you don't have to worry too much about Stoughton, um because um, if ever there was a power-hungry and uh, a corporate climber, it was him. So at least you always <laughs> know on what side of the fence you sit with him. As we mentioned, this is a special edition of Birds All Day, episode 113. Uh, we're going to talk about your Toronto Blue Jays, the resurgent Blue Jays. 
Uh, what I will also mention, of course, is that, uh, number one, baseball life advice. Uh, you can get it at all of your favorite booksellers. You can buy it uh, online at uh, the places that they sell online and, of course, anywhere. At anywhere good books are sold. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah. It, there's, a, there's a lot of feelings in it. If you enjoy feelings in baseball, it's, it's the perfect fit for you. Well, considering the ghoulish nature uh, with which Stoughton and I approach not only baseball, but life in general. This is a nice counterbalance. This is, and this is, the, this is the perfect time for these kind of conversations. Because, uh, well, frankly, the last couple episodes of this podcast have been uh, atrocious. Real like downer. Really shitty yeah. wakes. Yeah. Shitty wakes for people that aren't even in, like, hospice yet. And we're already, like, kicking dirt on the on – the, uh, but it doesn't need to be like that. Uh, it's not – I don't know if I've mentioned it before. There's a great blog post by a, 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 a guy who's kind of like nomin- nominally an A's blogger named Ken Arneson. He wrote a big thing about, um, from his perspective, the Josh Donaldson trade and how he, he wrote about how um, he doesn't like the A's just so we can look up on baseball reference and see how many games they won one year or, how, or just for, for the whole idea of winning. There's much more to it. It's about the connection with the players and the city and your fellow fans. Um, but that, all that said, and, and we were kind of talking about this off air, it's a lot easier to, to explore and expand on your feelings when the team is good and when there's something to kind of rally around. I don't know. Uh, again, we, we talked about this a little bit off air, but uh, would you say that your perspective or, or your feelings about the team are changing a li- or have changed a little bit after a really slow start to the season? Um, it's been interesting because the thing that we were talking about before was that there were years when they were this bad. And did we not love them then? Like, why have we suddenly forgotten, um, you know, in 2015 and 2016, has erased our memory of more dire years? Like, it's like we don't know how to be fans and we don't know how to talk about this team unless they're winning, but we did it for a really long time before, did we not? Absolutely. Really long time. Really, really long time, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, painfully, painfully long time. Uh, no, that's a great point because we've all we've all watched a lot of dog shit baseball, <laughs> but the, this and I mean, we found a way to love it, right? We were there was obviously something in it we loved, or you know we'd all be out of jobs. So, <laughs> like, what what was it about you know? And I'm I'm actually sort of grappling with that now. I was like, it must be the tiny things, right? The the tiny little victories within um, all of the losses. So, as you know, I'm often kind of searching for those tiny things to get me through loss after loss after loss. Um, although resurgent now. There you go, resurgent. That's two. That's a trend. <laughs> Definitely. Hey, it's a soft part of the schedule. This is where they're sort of going to come back. These Mariners are trash. Let's uh, let's let's yeah, not I jump too much. It's all, for real. Let's do this. Let's let's. I mean, as much as <laughs> no, I think you're right about the little things, and it'll be, it, it should be easy this year to love uh, a, a bad baseball team, but I really don't want to go back to that. We've had nice things. We don't need to go back to not having nice things. Uh, but, you know, Stacey, like, you, you, the little things I remember, I always come back to John McDonald in those years when the Jays were just unbearable for the most part. Uh, you know, you'd go to the ballpark, and I would go to the ballpark all the time back then. And every day, 
it seemed, he would do something that you would never see anybody do on a baseball field. Or maybe you would see, like, more talented people do it or people, you know, bigger people or, or faster people. But he would – there was just a spectacularness to John McDonald that, that – uh, that just completely saved a season for me, at least one, uh, especially when you add in, you know, that everybody that everybody knows now, the human factors and how John McDonald is the nicest guy that anybody's ever met mm-hmm. and, and, you know, the, the Father's Day home run and all that stuff. I mean, uh, that was that was sort of after that. That was the, the, you know, it was an emotional moment, but it became an emotional moment more so because uh, of what people thought about John McDonald because of all those years watching this guy you know, sort of not single-handedly save the season, but just, like, provide something, like a Chris Coughlin flipping over Yachty moment every day. I mean, and, and there are things like that that you can find and that I hope to God we don't have to start searching for too much uh, in the last, you know, three, four months of the season. I wonder about the the idea of a winning – the winning team is sort of changing – um, the kind of calculus around what we, how we think about the team and how we um, kind of uh, approach the team, where in those years, or even it, not necessarily in the leanest years, I mean, it's, you know, I think you've seen a guy like the Zooms make these points on, on Twitter recently, which is like, Jason, they've had years where they haven't been good, but they haven't really, really had a year in which they've been terrible. Like, I, I, can't, I can't remember the time, last time they even lost like 90 games, right? I mean, let alone. No teams that suffer through 100 loss seasons or perpetual 95 loss seasons, um, but but I think a lot of it has to do with the idea for uh, of expectations. So if we look back to maybe 2000, you know, uh, Stacey said earlier that 2011 was kind of the year that she came back to baseball. So we look ahead to 2011 or 2012 when it was like, well, if everything goes right and Ricky Romero gets it all right and Brandon Morrow throws 200 innings and Dustin McGowan doesn't get hurt and and, uh, you know, Jose Reyes, or not even Jose Reyes, but whoever was before Jose Reyes, if this happens, this happens, maybe they'll be right there with the Yankees and the Red Sox. And little things became encouraging. And and then, but now it's not, not only are our expectations sky high, but then everything comes crashing down because all of the kind of points of interest on the team, for the most part, between Donaldson and Tulewitzki and, and Happ and Sanchez, almost all those things have are sitting on the bench watching watching the game and playing grab ass with bubble with the bubble gum and seeds and stuff. So I, I don't know. I, I, do you think that's fair to say that that the sort of the winning and, and our the kind of uh, acceptance of winning as the as as the the year does it sort of change the way that we think about the game and think about the team as as it, as we get into the day in and day out. It's, I mean, it so much has to do with perspective and expectation. Because when we were going over those seasons just before we started recording, when I was going through them, I was like, oh, they, their win-loss record was so much worse than I remember. Because I just remember enjoying baseball. I don't actually remember being like, oh, this team is not good. <laughs> but now, after you know two consecutive years of the team being very good, um, the, you know, the failure is in high relief, right? So um, I would like to get back to a point where I just enjoy baseball again, which, I mean, sounds really silver lining. <laughs> I mean, I would really mm-hmm. just like to be able to watch a game and not be, oh, my God, they have to win because I can't take this anymore, right? I would just like to be able to have a nice time. And April felt so dire that it felt really hard to have a nice time. I agree. I mean, there are so many. Everything went wrong, and, and the you know the people that the, the players that we count on, and uh, the, the 
the players that we expect to have a certain level of performance, we're not there. I mean, you hate to see the young, a young guy like Devin Travis, who's always hit, but then he battles injuries, and now he's sort of healthy, but he's not hitting. And Jose Bautista, of course, he's, you know, not hitting, and that's just such an alien concept. And then Donaldson gets hurt. It's just like there's no, almost no positive to, to, to drag out of it. And that, some good performance, you know, obviously Marcus Stroman has pitched really, really well this year, and there's been guys in the bullpen, but I mean, you know, it's great to watch someone like Ryan Tepera sort of take the next step, but there's only so much satisfaction to be taken from. Uh, this middle reliever might be a, a slightly later in the game middle reliever, uh, which is kind of, uh, it's a, a really tenuous. I'm really enjoying smoke, though, I gotta say. Really enjoying, Pardon? really enjoying smoke right now. <laughs> It's it's nice when a guy who you know has no business being this <laughs> good uh, is is uh, is really just doing it all for you. That's that's part of the magic of baseball. It is just... part of the magic. Um, <laughs> Ryan, don't big long time Adam Lynch fan. You know this is this is my magic right here. <laughs> Uh, don't I mean as a long time Lind fan then you know that uh, Adam Lind's pretty good really he had some, he had some fun. he was an excellent pinch hitter he's really probably enjoying sitting on the bench for as long as possible and then doesn't need a glove doesn't even really need a bat most of the time I can imagine him asking me, like hold on hold on hold on I still get paid the same even though I barely play <laughs> hold on I just good. have to go up there and hit a home run that's all I have to do okay all right I'm gonna do that. <laughs> I'm Adam Lynch. <laughs> <laughs> it's the role I was born to play. Uh, I think that's interesting, and I'm glad you brought that up because, as I referenced this guy, that Ken Arneson guy earlier, he talks about the connections between, you know, player and fan or player and city or, or you know, sometimes it's big, you know, done on a, on a big scale. Other times it's the weird little things. There's a little, you know, like I – Brandon League was a guy that I was just infatuated with. I thought he was great. I was looking – you know, I thought there were so many good things that would come out of him because he was odd and – he had a very unusual, you know, he threw the 97-mile-an-hour sinker that broke two feet or whatever, the little things that made him, um, his, made him what he was. And I think uh, you, yourself, uh, Stacey, you, you have, you, you know, your guys, and Adam Lind is one of your guys, and, of course, Josh, Josh mm-hmm. Donaldson is one of your guys, um, you know, because he's everyone's guy, because he's the best player on the team. But, um, you know, as the season gets to this, uh, got to the point that maybe it was at two weeks ago where it's, all is lost, and people are starting to talk about trades. And uh, how do you, how do you approach that? Where where maybe uh, you know not everyone's fan experience is the same, and for a lot of fans, it's like kind of cosplaying Alex Anthopoulos a lot of the time and trying to move the chess pieces around the board. Where if when as you talked, you said you talk about feelings, so that those that's just like a whole bunch of unexpected feelings that are going to come flying up at the, at the at unexpected times when it's like, oh, maybe Josh Johnson is going to get traded in a month and a half. Oh, I don't. How, I, is I, that something I that you are ready to deal with? I can't even talk about that right now. I can't even. <laughs> I, like, just got a massive headache when you said <laughs> But, I mean, it's, a, it's really interesting because, like, the whole Adam Lind thing, I was a huge fan of Adam Lind for how many years, and I still buy my tickets near first base even though he's gone. Like, it's very, it's very strange. Like, I, I do feel like that, you know, there's this weird connection between these players we love and they leave and they move around. Like, I, I have alerts on my phone for whatever. I actually have alerts on my phone for every team he's played for since. Because <laughs> I, I forgot to turn them off when he went to another team. So, like, it's, I mean, it's really interesting how there's certain players you just – 
they sort of like transcend your team allegiance. Like you just want them to do well wherever they go. Um, so I feel like, you know, if that is the inevitability of this team, that we're going to lose pieces of it that we love, then we'll, we'll be able to follow them onward. <laughs> I suppose like the Edwin thing wasn't really that crushing for me. I thought it would be more so, but I, you know, I, I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, but I just was kind of like when the Edwin game, I was like, oh, this is nice. He's back. This photo of him and Jose are nice. But I, I wasn't, like, particularly heartbroken in the same way other people were. I get that. I do. Uh, and that's something that I said. I, I feel like I was saying that all along, where it, I, I like a lot of it comes back to the nature of the relationship that, that any given with this team. Um, I think because Edwin is kind of a bit of a blank slate, you know, he's very quiet, reserved, you know, on the field, not a lot of exploits. Obviously, the the chicken wing thing or the pair thing is hilarious, but you know, it's he was more just like a a home run provider. He did a lot of good baseball things and not a lot else, and that's and that you know, no one would ever ask him to do anything else. Where I was very much of the mind that like the, if, if it was Jose Bautista that left and Edwin that stayed. Jose's return would be way, 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 way bigger in my mind, to me anyway. And, and I don't, I don't want to put any words in anyone else's mouth, but I really think that his relationship is a lot more emotional. Or Edwin was very like, I'm a player and I do my job, and people appreciate that, and because I was very good, right? Well, and and because people, nobody liked him until he was good. The more people started to hate Jose Batista, the more I was like. Jose Batista is the most important person in the world. <laughs> there was, like, obvious correlation between, like, league-wide disdain for him and how much I was willing to defend him and, like, lay down and die for him and his honor. Um, so, I mean, I think that has a lot to do with it. I think, like, you know, he became this sort of, like, villain, and then he was our villain. Um, and the idea of losing him and him being someone else's villain, I was like, no, I couldn't handle that. No, you're right. And I, I wonder about, I mean, so as an experience, so you, as you said, and I mentioned earlier, you, you were kind of away from baseball as a young adult, as we all do. We were like, hey, look, I like hanging out and doing other things. I'm too cool for baseball when I'm 21 years old, which I definitely was. Uh, like, what do you have any... Feelings about like Carlos Delgado, for example. He's a guy who sort of is a, is the best of both worlds. You know, he he wasn't uh, you know kind of a iconoclastic guy like Jose Bautista, but he maybe had a little bit more personality than that Evan Encarnacion. But is he someone that's like on your radar at all? Is he someone that you could you would say like, oh yeah, I can get the appeal or like, what do you think about Carlos Delgado? Is what I'm <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I think there's I mean there's players in that time period that I love in a like nostalgia that I wasn't present for way. Like mm-hmm. I was I mean I was a casual fan for a very long time, sort of in my twenties, and mm-hmm. um it, you know I was present at games, but I wasn't present enough to be on this podcast (laughs) and but I mean most of my my incredibly obsessive baseball feelings are from the 90s um and then more recently so like I you know I'm a a Devon White person I'm a Kelly Gruber person um I and I actually feel like um Devon White is sort of the one baseball player I could never meet because I would just I would just fall apart if I um, I, I think that's something that you and I have in common. Uh, 
see, I think Devon White was like a victim of his time. Like my dad didn't like Devon White, which there's some subtext there that we don't necessarily need to get into right now. <laughs> but but, uh, but uh, no, that's that's see, that's really interesting to me. Devon White, like I feel like Devon White is probably like the most aesthetically pleasing baseball player that ever been a Blue Jay, at least. Uh, no, like he just had so much style, like unbelievable. More so than say Otis Th- Nixon. Am I? Am I <laughs> oh, uh, oh, poor old Odon. Uh, Otis Nixon did not quite pick the same boxes, unfortunately. No, it's true. Uh, so I, I think that before we move on from this, uh, see, I think, and this is something that is, is definitely a more recent baseball phenomenon, but that's the idea of like lording over prospects and then attaching, uh, we attach ourselves to a prospect as they make their meteoric rise through the system. Uh, of course, I'm talking right now about like Travis Snyder. You know, Travis Snyder was the first guy, and Lynn, Lynn to a lesser extent, I, I started paying attention. I think Lynn was like in double A and triple A, and he was hitting everything. And I had some goofy nickname for him, and he was like, Bring him up, gotta bring Adam Lind up. And then he, you know, he was kind of up and down and yo yoed a little bit, but then he figured his way out. And Travis Snyder was the guy who we had so many hopes and prayers attached to. And I can't help but feel like, okay, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is now the guy that this next generation is gonna be like, Well, everything is gonna be Vlad, Vlad Jr. Mm. And then we'll see how it works out. But but is that, is that something like do you, do you have a lot of emotional um, uh, bandwidth to allow basically teenagers into your life? Is what I'm asking. Do I have a lot of emotional bandwidth? What is that? No, I, I, I mean my my thing is that I love narratives, right? So if if somebody has a compelling enough narrative, then okay. I am able to invest. And, you know, and and I like I had this experience where I took um, a bunch of Brits to the ballpark recently um, and their entire sports, mm-hmm. you know, reference was cricket and football slash soccer. Right. So they didn't know anything about the game. And it was um, Osuna closed the game. And right before he he did successfully, I explained his entire life story. <laughs> and, and like, you know, the person I took to the game was like, oh, my God, this was so much more thrilling because you explained, you know, how he got here and his family. And um, so, I mean, that's sort of my entry point for baseball. And But I think everybody has a, sort of a narrative affiliation with this game, but your narrative could be performance-based, right? doesn't necessarily have to be where you were born and who your mom was and how you got here, right? It can be how well you did in, you know, at whatever level. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think everybody comes in the same way. It's just the thing that they value and, and the way they interact with the game. It's it's interesting. Oh, boy. Uh, the, the people, I, I mean, I, I'm too dumb to say, you know, to follow that up appropriately, but, but I, I noticed that speaking of the narrative thing and the, the, narr- the players with interesting narratives, it's like, Drew, you mentioned Travis Snyder. Uh, would he have held the same place among the same types of people had there not been that failure, right? And and Jose has a complicated narrative of his career, and he's a he's sort of a difficult personality, and he's a guy that the people who respond to those, you know, extra layers of it, I think Carlos Delgado uh, was another guy like that, uh, are maybe... I don't want to generalize too much, but, you know, probably people who are maybe listening to this kind of podcast and looking for smart baseball writing uh, are of that mind, uh, whereas 
you know, not that Edwin is not without complications, but he's just sort of the happy baseball man who is, you know, the the blockbuster summer movie as opposed to the, uh, you know, the cerebral, uh, more intricate movie. Uh, and maybe the, maybe there's a difference in the types of people that respond to the different types of people. Because I, I thought it was interesting when you said earlier uh, that you thought Batista would have been a much bigger deal when he returned here. And I had, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know because I think Edwin is just, a, you know, sort of an avatar of of just happy baseball guy. Like going out, you know, he, he hang him, I bang him, and just, uh, you know, there's not much more to it than that. And I think for a lot of people, they, they don't want much more than that. Uh, whereas, you know, you have scums like us. <laughs> uh, Stacy, not you, obviously. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Just, just uh, finding again, John McDonald. Basically, everyone we've talked about here is isn't isn't just that sort of uh, blank slate as much as they are uh, as, as they're interesting in, in sort of richer ways. Which I don't know. Maybe that's why we respond to them. But you could probably say that about any any guy if you look deep enough. So maybe. Well, yeah. I mean, I think, I think everybody is kind of, has their own interesting narrative. It's just a matter of getting to it, right? Like, mm. like I, you know, when I interviewed Tim Raines recently, it was just like there are a million things you can talk to Tim Raines about. But I went. I only got like thirty minutes with him, and I really wanted to know about his love of soap operas. Because <laughs> I, I read them, and he really loved soap operas. And when he was after he, you know, he went into recovery because he was he had a cocaine addiction he stayed at home a lot and watched a lot of soap operas and I was like do you still watch them why did like I and you know we all have these things that we're interested in and you know I think I mean that's the most interesting thing about baseball to me is that there's so many different avenues in right and it doesn't always have to be the same kind of discussion in the same way we talk about it. I mean, not everybody's going to want to know about Tim Raines' soap opera addiction, but <laughs> like, it is an interesting thing to look at, right, in in the story of a player's life. It, it's also, yeah, it's, also, it's sorry, Drew, but it, it's, it's not, I'm going to make a stupid hockey generalization, but it's also not like, I don't know, everybody everybody in the NHL, it's like, you, you they played on the same, you know, GTHL teams and the same, you know, they're, they're, there's a very common experience, I think, that states to your point to just to, yeah, how everybody has different, there's different points of entry. I mean, I'm generalizing about the the NHL, but, you know, there's just, a, the, you're, you're right that there is, I don't know, that's what makes the sport great is that there does seem to be a little more there sometimes. Mm-hmm. I also think that, Soap operas is a is um, Tim Raines' experience with soap operas is interesting, but I also think that soap operas is uh, '80s baseball thing in general uh, because they didn't used to have 24-hour sports channels, mm-hmm. so they used to have soap operas on in the clubhouse because it was the middle of the day and they would be teased in the clubhouse and they would have they would have soap operas on uh, all the time. I remember reading that in a book when I was a kid. That's amazing. About how they're all obsessed with with soap operas because. Before ESPN and MLB Network, the TV's on at two o'clock in the afternoon. They're all showing up and they're watching. They're watching The Bold and Beautiful, uh, and uh, of course, now it's they're all upset. All baseball players love uh, college football and the NBA. And one other thing I do want to say before we move on, uh, you, oh my, are lucky. I think that you maybe sort of missed the Travis Snyder thing on the way up because you would be a different person today <laughs> uh, if you had been just following his trajectory and his. Uh, narrative, his story behind the loss of his mother and stuff, and oh, oh my god, uh, it ruined me. The tra- I'm ruined forever for prospects. I just trade them. Like Travis Snyder broke me. I don't care about prospects anymore. Uh, like one, like that's it. Just the one, 
was one too many. Uh, so I think that your, innocent, your, your Travis Snyder innocence is uh, something I envy. I'll be totally honest Someone with you. Someone will come uh, for me changed. one day, though. There'll be a moment. <laughs> There'll be a moment. He, uh, go, go back and read about Travis Snyder or ask, ask the Zeus. Look, hook up the yeah. Zeus. The is the, is the Travis Snyder, <laughs> the definitive Travis Snyder fan. Uh, the day that he got traded, at the, he was uh, an intern at the score, actually. And he had his Travis Snyder jersey draped over his chair oh. when he came to work. <laughs> <laughs> and he got traded. Uh, if, you, if you're, uh, yeah. he was that was 2012. Yeah, he got traded in his hometown in yeah. the middle of the game. Hug watch from the only team he'd ever known. Yeah, hug watch. Hugs in the dugout. Heartbreaking. Don't don't watch that video. Oh my, <laughs> life is terrible. But I, I think uh, moving on though, and coming back to like Josh Donaldson. Josh Donaldson is an co- incredibly compelling figure. That uh, story in Toronto Life in particular was really well done. Um, but we don't, on this show, we don't talk to him about him nearly enough. It's, he is definitely the kind of guy that we take for granted. It's just like he, he shows up and he hits 40 home runs and he gets on base. His numbers are bonkers and he's an unbelievable uh, asshole, almost for sure, but not. I don't know. There's just something so, there's something so compelling about him and we blow through it. Well, it, it's funny because one of my my big Josh Donaldson stories is that um, I was at the game in Oakland where he came back for the first time after he's traded, and um, I was in California mm. and I went to the game and I sort of didn't really realize how important it was when that game, and people had it was just like people were crying like standing up like signs a woman stopped me on the concourse and was like please take care of him for us and it sort of it just hit me like oh he he really and I was I think at the time I was referring to him as like new dad or something I was just like who is this guy (laughs) um, and you know I remember like somebody was reassuring me and being like he's important it'll be good and I was like I don't know I don't like change I fear change but it is, it was overwhelming how people, like, you know, I was in my Jays jersey at, in Oakland, and people were just like, we love you, Josh, screaming. Um, because he was so beloved even before he was, you know, he worthy. So um, I think that we all sort of, like, we take our players for granted, especially when they're, I mean, it's so funny listening to you guys every week, and you, you like devote like thirty seconds to him, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's absolutely true. Uh, because I, in some ways, there's only so much you can say. But I, I also think there was a uh, Sports Illustrated wrote a, uh, they posted a, a story today about like who's the face of every team, and they kind of went through. Uh, Jay Jaffe wrote it. He actually uh, reached out to me and said, who do you think is the face of the Blue Jays? And I said, Jose Bautista, and that's the guy that they went with. I, for the I A's, same, same thing with me, actually. Yeah. I, I had to uh, think about it, but, it, yeah, Jose. I had to pick. It's funny because I didn't think about it. I instantly said Jose Bautista, and then I said, and then I thought about it and said, ah, Donaldson, and then maybe Stroman as well. But I really think that it is Jose Bautista, but – that a, I feel like the a, the context you know of the of the A fan is so much different than even being a J fan uh, because for that face of the franchise thing they went with Billy Bean because there's so much turnover in the A's roster and there's so much just I don't know it's it's upheaval or it's just change is 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 the norm for A's fans and they have just sort of 
they take it and they take it and guys come and guys go and it's just the way that it works. But for somebody like Donaldson who who managed to like make that impact on that fan base that's so hardened and that I mean he's been the GM there, Billy Bean, for almost twenty years, right? At least twenty years. Mm-hmm. For for them to for him to have stuck out and really made that impression, uh, it's really telling. It's really telling about uh, all of this narrative stuff and, and and also when you can find that almost which again he is and we uh, at our own great failing, we missed that in that he is almost like the Josh Donaldson is a kind of the perfect combination of narrative backstory personality on field kind of energy you know trouble finds him often and he's very good he's not just a melty clown he's not like a you know the guy who was traded for Brett Laurie who was kind of a little I bit more blunt and less good <laughs> he's the perfect combination and we just ignore him you knew I was going to say Brett Laurie really yeah I think Brett Laurie's a little maybe much maybe overly maligned for his antics I think it's, well, not now now he's the star of Instagram it's the greatest thing in the world <laughs> yeah. watching Brett Laurie live that life but uh, it's almost like I feel like Laurie and Bryce Harper. Bryce, like people are just convinced that Bryce Harper has done so many things that I don't think that he's ever done. No, it's funny because like somebody – I was, you know, tweeting about Brett Laurie's dog the other day because I'm obsessed with Brett Laurie's beautiful German Shepherd. And I'm, t- I'm totally obsessed <laughs> with stories about Brett Laurie. So apparently Brett Laurie's German Shepherd today, I believe, like locked itself out of the bedroom. It was like a whole <laughs> Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's so sad that I know this stuff. But I was tweeting about him, and um, somebody said, great dog, terrible guy. And I was like, how is Brett Laurie a terrible guy? And they didn't really have an answer. Because, <laughs> like, you know, bro, I guess. And, like, I don't really actually think Brett Laurie's done anything terrible. He did the helmet throwing, throwing thing, right? He threw the helmet on the ground and hit the umpire. That's like probably the worst thing you could accuse Brett Laurie of. Yeah. That's what he, I know he does. 2011, now that I think about it. Once. I mean, that's, that's pretty That's when he was a kid, but yeah. Yeah. He, uh. Who am I? He's, right? <laughs> he just, it's, I think it's more he seems insufferable than, uh, than terrible. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, people sometimes don't separate the two. What a. I don't know. I All really right. just wanted to find a team. We were talking earlier about what were the defining moments of any of these given seasons, and now 2011 was the Brett Laurie year. Yeah. 2011 yeah. was when Brett Laurie went bananas for whatever, whatever two months, and that and again, it comes back to expectations. Where Did, Was that the same year he fell in the fucking uh, yeah. camera pit? Yeah. Yeah. The camera well at Yankee Stadium? Oh, <laughs> no, was it? No, that was the, the, was the 2011 is when he hit everything. And he hit all those walk-off home runs, and he hit for power that they had no ex- expectation of him doing. So it, it was like, oh, this is this Canadian kid. He's like kind of a, f- a spark plug, and he's a bit of a, of a maniac. And then he came up, and he was everything t- times 100, and it was awesome. So Brett, in a lot of ways, Brett Laurie saved the 2011 season, by, which, of course, then ruined the 2012 season because he was hurt all the time and not a superstar. Uh, so I can be, we can be mad at him about that. And I think we should. Um, but now, so now we'll, let's go back to the to the 2017 Blue Jays, which is what we're supposed to be talking about. So they won uh, in the time that we were recording. They won. They beat the Mariners. And as, as Stoughton said, let's go. Let's do this. Like win some games. Uh, things are definitely pointing in the right direction, where they're getting some very nice contributions from from guys 
that we don't expect to get big contributions from. So, I mean, it's it was maybe obviously too early to give up hope, but did at any point, Stacey, did you ever consider giving up hope? Were you ready to, like, totally give up on the season and be like, wow, this is just not happening here? Uh, or and it's like so as your mood turned around as the teams turned around. I actually think there was a moment, an actual moment where I lost hope, and then I got it back again. It, but it was it was a dark moment. It was my my whole my whole thing is like perpetual optimism, right? That's my that's my brand, as they say. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like there was a moment where I was like doing this. Like, can I keep? tuning into this and and the losses were like particularly demoralizing I thought like I actually prefer to lose um I prefer like absurdly bad baseball to almost baseball does does that Mm. make sense like is that I, I am I alone on that or like I feel like it's better to have a really bad team than it is to have a almost good team. I would agree. I think it's it's. I think it comes back almost back to to intent, where if the team is bad on purpose, I can deal with that. But if the team is bad by accident because good players are underperforming or hurt, mm-hmm. that to me, like there's no hope in that, right? Oh, that's, that's so just, demoralizing. Like, like the injury stuff is so demoralizing. Absolutely, because there's nothing. It's everyone. Everyone in the entire equation is powerless, right? The player, you know, Jay Hab didn't ask to be hurt. He's not. He's not. It's not for lack of effort. It's not for lack of anything. And it's not like you could pin it on the general manager. Or, well, you can't always. You can always blame it on uh, on Mark Shapiro. Like let there be no doubt. He is a able and willing uh, pin cushion at all times. We can just pin all of the crimes on him. But. When the team's hurt, it's just like, oh, my God, they have so many good players. And that's when you start to play like the – it's not even like a hope game. It's just like, well, if if everyone was healthy, we'd, everything would be better. But but they're not. So we're left to live in this miserable existence of, you know, the Chris Coglins of the world playing way more positions than he's capable of. And But then you get to see, like, Darwin Barney be on. I, I don't know. It's, well, I mean, there it was that game where, where Sanchez got pulled out after the first, mm-hmm. and I was at that game, and I like that was the game where I bought, brought all the British people. So I was just like, oh, this is going to be so great for them. <laughs> it's going to be like the worst. And they just totally pulled it off, and it was a, it was a great game. And there is that cliche of like the wins are sweeter when they're they're less possible, right? So. I like how much have we been enjoying the wins? I mean, they feel really monumental. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, there's so much to because now it's again, it's about. I think I think it's almost like a like a transactional thing with hope. Maybe is a way to look at it where we have a lot of hope and then it's taken away and then we get it back and we're trading. So right now it's like the Jays are playing well and. They still have all these guys to get back from injury. So if they're winning games now, they'll be unbeatable when they've got the un- overlooked <laughs> and under- underappreciated Josh Dawson and, and Troy Tulowitzki. And then you can start to add on performance-based hope to that. Like, well, Tula will come back, and then he's going to be as good as he was for this long. 
And then now Jose Bautista's getting on base again. And now Justin Smoke is a superstar. So everything's great. Uh, so as long as there's even the illusion of hope, it's, it's just like off to the races. Off you go. That's so dark, though. As long as there's even the illusion of hope. <laughs> J.P. Uh, Ricciardi kept his job here for several, several years. Uh, Pretty much exclusively on the illusion of hope. That was uh, that was his whole thing for like the last half of his uh, of his tenure as the Jays GM. Uh, actually, actually uh, to 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 tangent or to curl back to what you were saying. Uh, oh man, when you were talking about the you know a moment where you lost hope, I just started looking stupidly over the uh, uh, the game logs for this year and that the, the three game stretch where there was the fucking the Matt Carpenter walk off grand slam. <laughs> that, was, that was followed by I think Casey Lawrence gave up like six in in a couple innings in uh, in the next game and then the one after that they went to they were in Tampa or they faced Tampa I can't remember if it was here or there uh, and they had a lead into the ninth and ended up you know Leone and really and Stroman giving up home run balls in the eighth inning uh, that was that was a rough three day stretch I think that 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 for me. Uh, that long faded memory uh, was was the real nadir of the season. <laughs> I, I think that obviously everything since then is uh, we're, we're going real well since then. We're unstoppable. We're gonna Make go sure. tw- twenty one and eight in May. Gonna run the run the table these nine games. So everything's looking up. I love that false hope. Casey Lawrence, I haven't heard that name in years. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I also feel like right now, and I, I said something on Twitter to this effect, where I'm also uh, become very oddly and sadly protective of Jose Bautista, where if he's not, like, if the Jays win and he's bad, I'm just like, ah, like, I need, I, I need him to be Jose Bautista forever. So, uh, like, the four strikeout game, for me, when he's the first time he struck Ooh. out four, four times, was like, oh, my God, like, what is going on this year? Not only is the team bad, but he's dog shit. Like this is this is terrible. This is like everything bad at the same time. There's no revenge tour. There's no Jose Bautista home runs. He's like wimp going off with going up with not with a bang, but with a whimper. And then he got hot. And then he struck out four times again. <laughs> but uh, but I don't know. I, I, I know we're getting a little long on time here. But um, I don't know. So so uh, as you said, Stoughton. There's a nice little stretch here, some softer uh, opponents. Um, what are we thinking on, like, June 1st is the, is the day where we can kind of maybe graduate from hope to expectation, or are we still going to be guarded? We're going to try to be a little bit guarded um, until we get into the, the full swing of the summer. Yeah, I don't. I have no idea. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess that means guarded, right? I mean, I mean that's that's pretty much guarded right there. It, it's you know it's been nice since that game that I was talking about against Tampa with Greeley and Leon and Stroman all giving up home runs, each giving up one in the eighth inning. Uh, they're eight and four now. So uh, so again, again I keep I keep coming, I keep circling back to these you know these these little things I'm clinging to. Um, but yeah, I don't know, June 1st, I don't know if you need to pick a specific day. Um, let's see how these nine games go, uh, when they're, you know, through with the Braves, 
we can kind of maybe take a look at that point. I've been keeping my eye on the schedule going forward. I was terrified and, and horrified to realize that coming out of the All-Star break, they go to Detroit, then Boston for four, and then Cleveland for three. So mm. they kind of have Delightful. to, they have, to get, have their shit together by the time of the All-Star break, I think, because they're probably not, you know, they, they're probably not making up five games over that stretch. So... You know, yeah, July 1st would be nice. July, or, or sorry, June 1st would be nice. June is not, you know, the toughest schedule. I think the end of May and early June is, is pretty good for them, and so hopefully mm-hmm. they can take advantage because it's, you know, damn it, they deserve it after just so little going right in the first part of this year. Uh, you mentioned Detroit, so so let me keep our guest the center of attention here. What's up with the Tigers? And you, what, what, like, how, how would you classify? So the Jays are like your team, and it seems like the place where you park the most of your feelings. So I feel like there's some Tiger stuff so there, going on under the surface as well. There is some Tiger stuff, but I, I'm going to be honest with you. I kind of drifted away from the Tigers a little bit. Um, I'm a huge Justin Verlander fan, so that's kind of that was kind of why I was so focused on the Tigers for so long. But I'm like really all about the Nationals right now. The Nationals is it a Lynn like you. You follow, it, follow it's a Lynn thing. Like, it's also a Scherzer thing, and it's a Harper thing. So, like Scherzer was a Tiger, right? So that was, you know, an, an inevitable, you know, interest. But, it, but the, I mean, this is what happens, right? You have your team that you love no matter what happens, and then you have these other players that you like, sort of watch them meander around, and you're like, oh, I guess I like the, you know, the Brewers now. Oh, they have a dog. How charming. <laughs> So, like, that's, I mean, basically, my second favorite team is always a team with a bunch of guys on it that I like. Um, that's kind of how it works. I get that. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, so the Nationals are, I mean, it's so great to have, like, a second favorite team that is really, really, really good. Well, let me tell you, that cuts both ways. Um, <laughs> because sometimes... You are a person who starts to stay up late, and you end up watching a lot of <laughs> team that plays on the West Coast games. And you love their stadium, and you love the players, and you love the announcers, and you love the uniforms. And so you kind of feel like, now this is your team. And then they become very good, and they start winning the World Series all the time. And everything is amazing. And then the team that you're, is like your main team has a terrible start of the season, and then your team that has a, your second team also has a terrible, unbelievably bad start to the season. Uh, so that is the downside of having <laughs> a second favorite team because I, now at least I get to complain in my head about the Giants because they're terrible. So bad. But still, watching the Giants is is easy because it's just so, like as I said, like aesthetically pleasing. Like Being a Jays fan is, is kind of hard work. Like, like, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Having to watch them play on that goddamn green carpet and listen to the horse laugh all night long. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, <laughs> I was thinking about it today and I feel like like, I've been maybe too charitable. Uh, they named the state, they renamed the stadium, and they called it the Rogers Center. Is there a blander and yet more offensive name for a sporting, like, a, like Tiger Stadium and, and, and all these other, I don't know. It, it, and then they put a statue of the owner up front. Whew. Whew. Cheerful Blue Jays can be hard work. It can be extremely Extremely hard work, but but yeah. not now. Not when after they go twenty eight May. <laughs> speaking of speaking of second teams, that it's hard to cheer for. Uh, yeah, the Expos would also be hard to cheer for. 
uh, which is why yeah. I'm sort of that's the second team I'm waiting on. Uh, so you know, <laughs> enjoy your years, your you oh, know, one year blip where the Giants are trash. It's funny because there's people who are really weird about you having a second team. There's there's people who are like, no, you can't do that. That's not a thing. But like, no, it's true. But I, I don't know. I like to – it's so nice to get these, like, notifications where some guys you like are doing some good things in some other city. <laughs> like, why wouldn't you want more of that in your life, you know? That's called the Yankees only philosophy. It is, like, capital Y, capital O, Yankees only. It is a, it is a thing where you – like, who's your second favorite team? None, Yankees only. That is, that is like, the, the – a way that a very significant percentage of the population approaches approaches uh, their fandom, which is, which is fine, which is their thing. There's another Again, thing about me. Is, another thing about me is that I don't hate the Yankees, and I always feel strange about that because so many people hate the Yankees, and I'm like, no, but, you know, they seem kind of nice. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're letting all the secrets out. So you're supposed to hate the Yankees, but secretly envy them. And, and, like, envy the traditions and envy the very attractive players that they've ended up with by hook and by crook. Uh, but you're outwardly hating the Yankees is, like, I, it feels good. It's good for the soul. Hating this, the Yankees is enriching the soul. I wrote this piece about how I went to Yankee Stadium by myself and bought mm-hmm. a Yankees cap and wore it and sat in the stadium by myself. That was not the point of the piece. The piece had another point. But in, there was a minor detail that was like, body Yankees cap sat in Yankee Stadium. And a hit, a significant number of people were angry that I bought and wore a Yankees cap. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If there's one thing white people get really bent out of shape about, it's about hats. And wearing the wrong hat at the wrong time. <laughs> And what your hat allegiance suggests. I uh, let there be no doubt. Um, all right. We're going to wrap it up. Now, this has been amazing. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. Uh, we'll have to do this again, will we not? It, it was me. It's actually, it's been one of my major life goals. So glad I was able to cross it off today. I hope it doesn't screw up your week by, like, ruining your gym experience because you're all, if you're listening to yourself, that can be odd. And that's why I don't ever do I'm, it. I'm probably, I'm probably just going to not exercise for an entire week. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I, I recommend that highly. Um, are you guys <laughs> going to do parting shots? You have to do parting shots. We haven't done those in a little while. We can, uh, my parting shot, we can do parting shots. My parting shot is that exercise is actually excellent. Uh, and I've been exercising for the better part of six months, and it's, it's terrific. Um, I don't, like, feel any different. My close the way they're supposed to. But that's kind of all I got going on right now. So exercise, way to go. That was a really I've become one of those. <laughs> it was a terrible party <laughs> shot. I'm like, just dragging me here. Well, look, you know, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> suggesting that there, it's the right way to live. For me, it's working right now. I missed tonight though because uh, I had other things going on. So there you go. I wanted, but, uh, yeah, that's the worst parting shot ever. I wanted a really good parallel parking parting shot or something. Your classic, like, dad parking parting shot. Um, I was disappointed that there was nobody who booed Edwin Encarnacion. I was hoping someone there was going to be some fools who, who made a big show about booing Edmund, but it didn't seem like there was any of that. All the, the sentiments seemed very positive. And I think a lot of it because he's such a, he seemed like such a humble and, and appreciative guy. So why would you want to drag negativity into those beautiful he's, moments? He's an everyman. He's the he's the Kevin James of baseball, really. 
<laughs> Still need a party shot? <laughs> no, I no, I don't think I do. I don't think I do. That's the one that's gonna get like block quoted. Like everyone can ask you on this is Kevin James in baseball. <laughs> <laughs> I assume uh, there's a lot of overlap in the fan bases, that's all. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Just as I type down the Kevin James of baseball here. <laughs> uh Stacey Bay, you have a party shot? Um, baseball life dad, advice. Get some dad material. Baseball oh. life advice is available at all fine booksellers. <laughs> there she goes. <laughs> well done. Again, uh, as she mentioned and as we mentioned and we'll mention again, baseball life advice is available at all fine booksellers, online uh, or real life. Head down to the bookstore, pick it up, follow her on Twitter uh, at Miss Stacey May. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul Stoughton, Stoughton or whatever the fuck this thing is, uh, and read her at The Athletic uh, and everywhere else. And the Jays Nation, first and foremost, a weekly column that she submits to her editor, Andrew Stoughton, who's like, oh, shit, better get this up soon. Uh, <laughs> Mostly, yeah. Uh, so, what of it? It's a really so professional process, really professional. <laughs> Editor-in-chief of the Jays Nation, Andrew Stoughton. Uh, Stoughton, anything else you got? What else? what else? Nothing? You're doing your thing, right? You got Vice, yeah. you got the Athletic, and most importantly, the Jays Nation. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Our yeah. Blue Jays Nation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with two underscores. Uh, and I am, uh, I'm just crossing my fingers this doesn't sound like shit. This, uh, you know, this, this turned out, it was a little shaky at first, but, uh, but hopefully, hopefully we're giving the people some quality, uh, <laughs> audio fidelity with our, uh, sweet Blue Jays content. I think this is this was great. This was great. Uh, so once again, so thank you. My name is Drew Carrizeros. We'll talk to you next time on Birds All Day. <laughs>